0: To another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Today is June 27th, 2016, and today we have the uh, pleasure of sitting down and talking with Dr. Chad Van Dixhorn. He, he was a guest on the program a, a while back, uh, uh, dealing with uh, he, a book he had written on on the Westminster Confession of Faith, and, and though we're going to be talking about that today in some sense, we're actually going to be discussing with him more precisely a class he's going to be doing at, the, uh, at Greenville Seminary, our 2016 Summer Institute, and the title of the class is Ambas- Ambassador, Physician, Shepherd, the Westminster Assembly, and Pastoral Ministry. So we're going to get to that discussion in just a second. Um, for those who are relatively new to the podcast, the um, easiest way to find out more about what we do here is to go to our website, it's ConfessingOurHope.com. Um, I've just updated uh, the coming up page on the site, and so you can see that we're quite busy lining up guests and scheduling people all the way through the summer, and including uh, three different discussions on the various general assemblies and synods that have happened. In the Reformed and Presbyterian world across the country uh, this summer, so stay tuned for those discussions. Uh, I, I, I think they'll be good and informative and helpful uh, for the average person in the church to understand, you know, what's going on at our uh, at our top level uh, court of the church. So uh, that's a little bit of a highlight of what's coming up on the program. There's other things as well, but again, the website is confessingourhope.com. If you want to find out more information about the seminary, including the 2016 summer institute. You can go to our website, gpts.edu, and uh, there's a banner there for the Summer Institute program uh, right there on the main page. So um, avail yourself of that uh, as you're able. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking with Dr. Chad Van Dixhorn uh, about the class uh, that's going to occur this summer. And uh, Dr. Van Dixhorn is a Canadian-born theologian and historian, uh, editor of the five-volume, The Minutes and Papers of the Westminster Assembly, uh, that was published by Oxford University Press and and many believe uh, that Dr. Van Dixhorn is probably the leading uh, Scholar when it comes to not only the Westminster standards But the assembly the minutes of the assembly all the background material he spent years dealing with these things and um, So Dr. Van Dixhorn it's great to have you back on after a very busy week last week And and so I thank you for taking the time today to talk about this class you're going to be doing I think it's going to be very helpful hey, Thank you Thanks for uh, welcoming me to the podcast. Absolutely. So, Dr. Van Dixhorn, there, there was some confusion a little bit uh, in some of the mailers and brochures that went out, but you're going to be specifically dealing with the pastoral ministry, not necessarily the standards, but the Westminster Assembly, and, and
1: how does that go together? I mean, what's the relationship between those two? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So I'm distinguishing between a course on uh, the Westminster Standards and a course on the Westminster Assembly. Um, in other words, we're going to reach far beyond what the Confession and Catechisms have to say, and we'll be looking at what uh, the Assembly did, the actions it took, various documents it wrote, and of course the writings of the different pastors who are at the Westminster Assembly itself. And and, and so I, I don't think I could teach a course on the Westminster Standards and Pastoral Ministry unless I was speaking about very general practices, but if I want to get into uh, just uh, thinking more specifically and practically about pastoral ministry. Um, it, it seemed to me that a course on the Westminster assembly and, uh, uh pastoral ministry was very doable. So hence the broadening sure. of the scope.
0: Sure. Well, I think those four items that you mentioned may be a good place to start, um, highlighting the class. Obviously we don't want to teach the whole class and we don't have the time obviously for that anyway. Um, but, um, as it pertains to the the participants at the assembly, and yeah. the, what are some of the things that they did that connects directly to pastoral work or pastoral ministry yeah, yeah. great great question
1: um uh, one of the reasons why I like thinking about the pastoral assembly uh excuse me pastoral ministry and the Westminster assembly is that uh, I, I get a chance to combine two loves uh that that of the story and that of the pastor because the assembly, it turns out, spent more time thinking about examining ministers and candidates for the ministry than anything else that it did. Um mm. uh, the, the the members of the assembly examined about they conducted about five thousand examinations um in, in their ten years that they uh, served England and uh and and Britain. And so, uh, you know, you've, you've got this, this body of a hundred men who's conducted about 5,000 examinations, um, and uh, I, I would think that people contemplating the pastoral ministry, those engaged in it, uh, those e- examining men for the ministry, that they, they would find what this gathering has to say pretty pretty interesting. I certainly have.
0: I wasn't even aware that that, that actually occurred. Now you're talking that these examinations, uh, occurred over the, the, the 10 years during the, the time yeah. the assembly, the, the, standards were written or is this? That's right. In- yep, yep.
1: D- During the 10 years that the assembly met, they conducted about 5,000 examinations. Uh, they had an examination room right next to their, their, uh, debating room and, uh, men would, would, would show up uh, with letters of testimonial, and they would be examined in theology and church history and Greek and Hebrew, and they'd have to preach a sermon before the assembly and, and so on.
0: Now, what light then, maybe this may be a little off, well, I, don't, I don't know.
1: No, what, go, go
0: for it. What, 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 um, how, how, does, how does that information and in, in, in the particulars of it help us now in the 21st century as far as what they did and what we do? And yeah. maybe
1: compare what we do now with how they did it then. F- f- fair enough. So, so, so taking um, the examination of preachers first, um, the, the assembly offers offered mm. a kind of paradigm for examining ministers, which is actually closely followed, I think, by Presbyterian churches today. They had their own practices— which they hammered out uh, for about a year, and then they wrote a directory for ordination, which tells Presbyteries how to do it. Uh, and if you look at the kinds of things that the assembly looked, or uh, required, um, and uh, looked at the kind of the things that we require in Presbyterian churches today, remarkably similar, except that we don't require men to translate um, Greek and Hebrew into Latin, and we don't require our candidates to give a Latin lecture. So, uh, we've uh, we've made things a little easier here and there. Uh, I'm very
0: thankful for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so 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 the examinations would probably take about you know a couple days, um, and if you add up all the examinations done for uh, you know licensure or ordination in a Presbyterian church, it could easily take a couple days. Um, sure. The subjects are are very similar. Um, so yeah, I, I think they they set a they set a benchmark. Uh, they also try and set a tone, which I think is very useful. One of the first things the Westminster Assembly did was uh, to remind itself and and others that when a guy comes before the presbytery or before the examiners, that he's to be treated as a brother before his brethren. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know about you, but I I've been at I've I've seen presbyteries. Where, uh, where where ministers just enjoy uh, playing teacher to a student. They they like to uh, show off a little bit sometimes on a bad day. Mm. Maybe do a little grandstanding, mm-hmm. try and stump the candidate. Um, uh, it, so so the, the Westminster Assembly, kind of aware of this human failing, uh, starts off by saying, "No, tr- treat the guy like the brother before his bridal ring." And I, it, I think that's really a, a good insight and a helpful framing comment.
0: Yeah, I, and I appreciate that. And I, and and I remember uh, it wasn't too long ago that I went through my or, ordination exams, and uh, a member of the committee, you know, told me, you know, we're friends here, and you know, we're here to help you. We're not here. Good, we're not here good. to fail you.
1: Yeah, that's ideal. <laughs>
0: we don't we don't want to fail you. I mean, that's not what we're we're about. And, and you know, obviously, if you fail because you don't know, that's a different issue. But they're not trying to do the things that you just talked about, uh-huh, grandstand uh-huh. and, and yeah. try to stump yeah. me necessarily. But, uh, and, and I appreciate that. It made it easier for me to relax in front of the men and um, just sure. say what I know and um, be willing to be corrected as needed. But, uh, and so I think that's a really important point. Um, now, were these exams both written and oral, or are they just ex- exclusively oral
1: exams? No, I think most of the exams uh, would, be, would be oral. Um, and so this is a time consuming process. There's always about five members of the assembly in the next room, um, uh, ex- examining men, looking at their different letters of testimonial, um, and, uh, writing out certificates of approval or, or, uh, showing where a guy needs more work and so on. And so the first part of the course, uh, the first part of the Institute will be looking at so the background to uh, the assembly. And how Puritans had been longing to have some kind of a filter through which to run candidates for the ministry uh, mm. some kind of some kind of sieve uh through which through which they could be sorted um so so previous calls to reform uh bumps along the way as yes, opposition uh to a godly and menis- a godly and learned ministry um, uh, you know started already in the time of elizabeth um sure. Uh, then uh, then the, the course will talk about what the Assembly did itself. Uh, it'll talk about what the Assembly writes on the subject. It'll talk about the system that the Assembly established for presbyteries. Uh, it'll talk about what the Westminster Assembly uh, had to say about the subject of preaching. So so far I've been really talking about preachers, but it also has a lot to say about preaching. And then I'll want to look at what the—we'll together want to look at uh, what the Assembly's members have to say. Now, not the Assembly as Assembly, but now the Assembly's members, individually in their own writings, both manuscript and and print writings, have to say about preachers and preaching. Um, Fantastic. The means of grace, uh, preaching Christ. How do you preach Christ? Different ways of doing so. Yeah, Uh, and that's
0: a really big subject, or at least— in my circles, anyway, what I've witnessed out there on the blogs and the social media, and that the, and 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 I was heavily introduced to in seminary, um, preaching Christ, and you know, there's all this discussion. And so it's interesting that they were, that was also, you know, center place on centerpiece in their minds and thinking sure. as well, um, sort of men ahead of the time, I guess. But uh, now, now when we're, this is probably a question I should have asked right at the beginning. Um, when we're talking about. Pastoral ministry. What exactly do you mean by that? It's it, that well, depending on who I ask, that could that could come under a whole bunch sure. of different explanations.
1: Of, of, of course, there's there's probably no one right answer. But what I have in mind for the institute is thinking about the character of the pastor, the uh, the the preaching of the pastor, mm. the. Actual shepherding, pastoral care. What's the target? What's the object? What's the, what's our what are our tools for uh, for pastoral care? And then uh, church government, especially with a focus on discipline. Um, you know, well, how how's that to be done practically in our churches in the presbyteries? Who does what? Why and so on. So Fantastic. so so probably should teach pastoral myself. care and and. Uh, and church government will be the three foci and the, the, the bulk of our time will be spent on uh, the work of the assembly in uh, vetting preachers, less of our time uh, and, and pastoral care and, and shepherding. Yeah. Fantastic. Now
0: we talked about the, what they did. How about the actions um, in their relationship to pastoral ministry or are they kind of go together?
1: Um, who, who, the, the assembly as a whole, is that, is that what you're asking?
0: Yes. yes.
1: Um, so the, uh, the Westminster divines themselves were, were, were busy preachers from week to week mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in part because, um, parliament really didn't pay them what they were supposed to. So in order to, uh, make a living while they were in order to support their families while they're at the assembly, a lot a lot of men continued to be regular preachers um and and then um yeah i i i i guess i am trying to, i'm trying to understand the the focus of your question i, I guess i'm struggling a little bit and yeah no it's know, okay pa- um, pardon me for it maybe if you ask it a different no, way i would be able no, to give a better answer i'm sure
0: there. it's my fault um the Westminster Assembly itself, we talked about the things that they did, and one of the main things was this, these exams, and uh, yeah. they did 5,000 of them. then you mentioned that there's some of their actions as it connects to pastoral ministry. Uh, I mean, I see those as similar um, to some extent, but is there a difference between just those things that they did as far as examining candidates, um, but some of their actions maybe in the middle of the assembly, but as, as a result of the assembly as well? That, that feeds the pastoral ministry
1: work? Well, it, in the sense that they write things on the subject of preaching and mm-hmm. preachers that have an impact on subsequent generations, yes. I mean, the Directory for Public Worship and uh, its uh, instructions on preaching become very important in the history of Puritan practical theology. So, so that is significant. Uh, Absolutely, the, the assembly will also, uh, we also was also kind of willing to um, uh, to resist parliament's efforts to uh, multiply the number of ministers, sometimes without taking enough care about quality, and so the assembly would sometimes resist parliament, um, and, and in fact uh, anger parliament. And and their unwillingness to go along with every aspect of Parliament's program. So, so, so there's that. Um, And uh, so, so the so the assembly's work is very concrete. I mean, they're dealing with individuals waiting anxiously in the next room. They're dealing with members of Parliament who want them to examine somebody for ministry who they think is just a, a real prize. And the assembly says, "No, you know we'll, we won't let this guy into a pulpit um, and then there's also discussions uh, and debates amongst the divines themselves as to really what qualifies as pastoral ministry versus an itinerant ministry and so on so many different aspects to their discussion uh, and, and debate that I think are illuminating w
0: well, well, why would you what would you say in your opinion of course um why, why would you say that a class like this, or even a study such as this, is needed yeah. today? And we're, you know, we're talking about things that happened 500 years ago. Um, how does that help us now? So,
1: I, I think I think what's helpful is just the opportunity to sit down and uh, consider the basics. Some of what we're going to cover um, should. Should be kind of obvious to us some priorities sure. in pastoral ministry. Nonetheless, um, every good pastor, like every good lawyer or doctor or whoever it might be, um, go, goes back and, and and kind of looks at looks at the basics again and you know reminds themselves of, of their of their most important principles. So we'll be doing some of that. I think it's also helpful to uh, to consider what we're looking for in a minister since if we're Presbyterians, that's an activity that we're all engaged in a couple times a year uh, or more. Uh, as we you know, train interns, as we're doing the work of uh, the Presbytery and so on. And so uh, asking, knowing what people have done in the past, knowing what really thoughtful men have done, who have examined more ministers than probably anybody in the PCA or the OPC or any other denomination ever will, uh, hearing what they have to say, but what they think qualifies as a good examination and a good way of mm. treating somebody. I think it's very helpful on a practical level. And then I, I, I think uh, while we can rejoice in what the Holy Spirit's taught us, it's really useful to hear what, he has to, well, what he's taught others on the subject of, of preachers and preaching. And so, um, uh, gaining insights that are not chronologically bound, that, are, that aren't limited to our own time. Um, I, I think, I think are very, very helpful. I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, ch- church history is, uh, is, you know how we can all gain insights by traveling and seeing sure. other, other contexts. Ch- church history is, uh, uh, the, the poor man's travel guide. Um, you know, we can we can sit there in this class by reading these books, by having these discussions. We can gain insights beyond ourselves uh, that that would not otherwise be possible, given the limitations of our own experience. Uh, do you so, think so church, that's what do you reading think, does?
0: Yeah. Do you think church history? Um, and I know you're a church church historian, so please don't take this the wrong way. But do you think church history has um, kind of become the redheaded stepchild in the Pastoral arsenal of study.
1: Well, I mean, I, I wish that most seminaries would give church history a few more hours, and uh, I, I I think church history is really useful. And this this might might sound like megalomania, but uh, really useful <laughs> as a okay. unifying discipline. We can look at the history of pastoral care, the history of worship, history of doctrine. Uh, history of exegesis, there's a lot of things that we can bring together in history courses yeah. uh, that can unify the discipline. But but as well, church history has a lot of, uh, a, a, lot, a lot to teach us. Um, to, to the extent that church history is not merely telling stories, but reading texts. Um, there's a lot to learn from our forebears. And there's a lot of apologetic usefulness in history, too. That takes us farther afield from uh, from the GPT- GPTS Pastoral Institute, but I, I do think that anyone who uh, is ignorant of early church and Reformation history is going to be at a disadvantage in an apologetic confrontation. Hmm.
0: That's a great point. Um, I know at, at Greenville Seminary we have um, ancient church, medieval church, uh, Reformation church, modern church, so we have four full classes on Covering the major epochs of church history, um, and they're very extensive and um, I wasn't very good at it, I admit, but uh, still enjoyed it, but I wasn't very good at it. W- one of my professors said, you know usually you you're 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 good at what you enjoy I said, well i don't know i I enjoy golf, and I'm not very good at that either so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you're right, I think it's important to study this because it helps helps frame our own approaches to things uh, correct mistakes that maybe we're making and trying to reinvent yeah. the wheel. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's uh, in some sense, part of the focus that you're trying to accomplish in this one week study of the assembly. And so, you know, as we kind of wrap things up, I realize this is, you know, really it's promotional. And those listening to this may be thinking, okay, well, why did I listen to this podcast? Well, it, number one, you listen to it to maybe become interested in coming to the Institute. There's, there's no better way to do it. Um, frankly. And number two, uh, Maybe get your appetite, if you can't come, get your appetite wet, uh, kind of an allurement to look at church history, maybe this particular period as it relates to pastoral work, and you're maybe a pastor in your pastoral work. But, but Dr. Van Dixorn, if, if you had to sell me, as it were, and yeah. come to this class for one, to invest one week in the classroom in the middle of the summer when I could be golfing or going to the beach or any other thing, uh, what would you say?
1: Well, I'm I'm probably better at research than marketing, so I'm I'm not sure if that's the right thing at all.
0: But this
1: is what I think is interesting about the course. This will be the first time that I'm teaching a course on the Westminster Assembly that's not focused on on doctrine per se, but more on practice. Uh, And I'm, I'm taking the subjects that uh, are not usually linked to or identified with the assembly and saying, what's the assembly doing here, saying about this? So in that sense, uh, anyone who's had a course on the assembly before will almost definitely not have covered anything that we'll look at this week. Uh, and then the second thing is that uh, all the material is 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 fresh. I think with the exception of maybe one article, um, everything that I'll be presenting is either coming out in a new book or a new article um and, and so this will be a sneak preview of, oh, of of material that'll be coming out in the next next year or so. Um so if people like sneak previews, if they like being ahead of the curve, um well there's that too then.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's great. I, I I have every intention, at least right now, uh, to be there. Um I'll probably audit it, but um and, and I think people would understand fully. I I just graduated from seminary and uh, yeah, I think I'll just audit it. I'm kind of still decompressing from the intensity of the four years. And um, But what kind of work is going to be involved as far as the students are concerned? Well, Other that, than coming to class.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think even people who are auditing would uh, would would do well to do the reading ahead of time, which is yes. not onerous. Uh, a, a few sermons by members of the assembly uh, hmm. Snippets of books. There's a newly translated. Uh, David David Noe at, at uh, Calvin College is translating, and I'm editing a series of books by Westminster Divines. Uh, so we're going to have a, a sneak preview of a of a, of a book uh, on pastoral theology written by a Westminster Divine. Uh, so so doing doing that reading will help the auditors participate in the discussion. Um, those who are taking it for degree credit will have a series of short papers to write as well as one more, one, uh, more substantial, um, uh, paper. Those who are doing it for continuing education credit. will have some, uh, brief reflective, uh, papers to write. Um, and, and, and so it'll depend on what people are there for, um, and how much work they're going to do for, for the Institute, but hopefully everyone will will endeavor to do some very edifying reading in advance to, to help them make the most of the week.
0: Absolutely. I, I think it's going to be a great week, um, whether you're auditing or taking it for credit in one way or another. Um, I just think the things that we can glean out of this is going to be um, extremely helpful. from and, and especially from someone who's basically lived inside the minds of these men, as it were. For quite a while um your, your background is obviously in this area- spe- you know specifically um and and if I remember correctly, you did your doctoral work on the assembly of the, the Westminster standards and that and all yeah, of that. that is that, that's, that's right. correct that's yeah so we're to, we're not talking about a class being taught by a guy who studied another guy who did the work we're talking about a man who's actually done the work and so it's almost first as it were first hand information and and, and and as he's already indicated uh, on the program, uh, kind of ahead of the curve, uh, not been done yet. So um, so I would encourage well, that, the listeners— Well, that sounds if, a little too grand for my comfort level, to, well, I to understand. be sure. I'm not, but, trying, to, but, I'm not uh, trying to embarrass you um, um, uh, by any means. But uh, but I would encourage the listeners, if, if if you're just a listener, but you have a pastor who might benefit from this, uh, you know, encourage him to come to the— uh, come to this. Um, if, if you are a pastor who listens to this, then I would encourage you to come to this. Uh, talk to your session, see if they'll let you go. Uh, maybe they'll even get the church to pay for it. I don't know. Um, but, you know, take every opportunity to to deal with and interact with some of these these things that will help you as a minister uh, today in the 21st century. There's, there's a connection, uh, and we stand on the history of our forefathers and the things that they've done, and we don't need to reinvent the wheel, as it were. What We need to learn from what they've done and um, it'll help us going forward. Uh, the, the, the Institute in, is uh, August 1st to the 5th, uh, right here in, uh, in Greenville, South Carolina. It's actually in Taylor, South Carolina, but it's a stone's throw from Greenville. It's on the campus of Greenville Seminary. And so uh, make a vacation out of it. Um, you can uh, connect this course with uh, the Southern Presbyterian Theology class, which happens the very next week, and we'll do a podcast on that as well. So um, very beneficial, and I think uh, well, uh, time well spent uh, in, in the big picture of, of pastoral life and ministry uh, today. Doctor Van Dixhorn, any concluding remarks? Anything that? Um, I, by the way, I just just for information, I did look for your syllabus, and, and they haven't posted it yet. That's why we have people wondering. So, <laughs> right. put, throw that out there. Well, I'll, I'll try to get that corrected for you um, that this afternoon.
1: Would so. probably help the students. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. absolutely. So. But any final remarks? No, Bill, Bill nothing, nothing to add. Thanks for having me on the podcast.
0: Absolutely. Hold on to the line just a second as I wrap things up. And again, I just want to remind the listeners, this, this, this Summer Institute is um, the Westminster Assembly and Pastoral Care, and it's being held at the campus of Greenville Seminary August 1st through the 5th, this year, 2016. So if you want to register for the Institute, it's very easy. Go to our website, gpts.edu forward slash pastors, and, um, there's a way to register right there on that page and, um, and get you all set up, uh, to come and enjoy, uh, a great week of learning with, with a man who knows from what he speaks on this particular subject, uh, coming up on the program, we'll be, uh, sitting down and, and talking, who are we talking to on the program? I don't even have the right page in front of me, so that doesn't help anybody, including me. Um, but. As I mentioned before, I did update uh, the lineup for the summer. Um, and I, if my website, my, my Internet would work, I would be able to tell you uh, what's coming up. But uh, anyway, if you want to know, it's very easy. Go to our website, confessingourhope.com, and, and click on the link coming up, and it'll give you the list all the way through the summer. So uh, look forward to that and those broadcasts in the very near future. So until next time, uh, when we... Um, talk with whoever. I can't get the page to come up, so I don't know. Um, We do thank you for listening uh, to this particular edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary.